You're listening to episode number seven of the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. Today, we're mixing it up a little bit and I'm riding solo. That's right. It's just you and I hanging out and I'm going to answer some of the most frequently asked questions that I get from you guys. We're talking health and fitness, entrepreneurship, confidence, what it's been like getting settled here in Austin, Texas, and we're even going to talk about the biggest hardship that I've ever faced. Yep, we're getting really real and all up in my feels, but I am so excited to share these different pieces of my heart with you and really grow closer in the next 30 minutes or so. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Welcome to the Grind and Be Grateful podcast. I'm your host, Marie Wold, health and fitness influencer, coach, and lifestyle entrepreneur committed to educating and empowering women to become their very best selves. Each week, my guests and I are proving that with hard work and the right mindset, absolutely anything is possible. We are here to bring you not just inspiration, but also actionable takeaways that you can use to create a life that you love right now. We're talking all things personal development, including health, fitness, confidence, relationships, and so much more. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's jump into today's episode. Before we get started, I wanted to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by my very own workout app, Sculpted Strong Volume 2. This iPhone app is one of my favorite things that I've ever created because it makes the gym fun again. The app takes all of the guesswork and uncertainty out of your workouts. All you have to do is open it up, select your next workout, and follow along with the videos and cues that I've recorded for you. I even have a rest timer and a progress tracker built in. This 12-week program is perfect for anyone who wants to gain confidence, build their curves, get stronger, and sculpt their physique. The workouts are based off of the approach that I use for myself as well as all of my coaching clients and hundreds of women have already seen incredible results. And not to toot my own horn or anything, but I often hear that Sculpted Strong Volume 2 is the most fun yet challenging training plan that they've ever completed. So if you're looking for something that will renew your love for the gym and transform your physique, this is the program for you. For more info and to sign up, go to mariewoldapp.com. That's M-A-R-I-E-W-O-L-D app.com. And because my podcast listeners are so amazing, I created a discount code that will save you $10 on your enrollment. It's podlove. That's P-O-D-L-O-V-E on mariewoldapp.com. I know that you're going to absolutely love these workouts and I can't wait to see your transformation. Now let's get today's episode started. So earlier today, I posted on Instagram, which if you're not following me on Instagram already, you should be. It's at Marie E. Wold. But anyway, I asked you guys for your burning questions. I picked out a few of the best and most common ones, and I'm going to go ahead and answer them all right now. So without further ado, let's dive on in, starting with some health and fitness related questions. Scott C. Nash asked, what is the hardest part of staying consistent with diet and exercise? Now, I've been living this fitness lifestyle to some degree for probably seven years now, but consistency is still something that I'm always working on. 
But the beauty in having a healthy and fit lifestyle is that you don't need to be on point every single day. It's more of a running average. You can go on vacation and enjoy yourself, enjoy an indulgent meal with friends, celebrate the holidays, all of that without ruining all of your hard work. But it's those in-between not-so-special days that are hard because the reality is if you have any sort of health performance or appearance-based goals, you're going to have to be consistent in your day-to-day life. And it's really, really easy to make excuses for yourself or let things slide because what's one day, you know? But something that has really helped me is remembering how good I feel when I've been on point for a few consecutive days. When I'm consistently eating well and moving my body in ways that feel good, life is just better. I feel more confident. I'm more fun to be around. My energy is better. My digestion is better. And just every other area of my life excels because I'm taking care of myself and my personal goals. It's momentum. So I think the main thing that helps me stay consistent is keeping that feeling I'm after at the top of mind. So when you get off track and you're not feeling so hot, it's super, super hard to get that momentum back. But once you push through the first few days of feeling blah and unmotivated, it all clicks again and you're good to go. So my main advice for staying consistent, do the thing, accept that it's going to be hard, accept that you're not always going to feel motivated, but trust that the momentum is going to carry you through if you see it out. P. Madison 19 asks, how do I gain credibility if I've never done a fitness competition and I don't intend to? I would love to become an online coach, but I feel like I won't be taken seriously. And first off, this isn't necessarily addressing her question, but I do want to use this opportunity to say that bodybuilding competitions do not need to be the next step in your fitness journey. Being a competitor doesn't validate your fitness level or how dedicated you are to the lifestyle or how much you even know about fitness. And I feel like so many people, they get into fitness and they get to the point where they feel like they've kind of gotten the lifestyle down. And then all of a sudden they feel this pressure to compete because just living the lifestyle isn't enough. And like doing a competition is the natural next step or people at the gym see that they're super dedicated and just assume that they're in a show. So they're like, well, should I be doing a show? I don't know. But yeah, you can learn a lot from competing. You learn a lot about your own mental toughness. You learn about physiology and experience how the human body responds to extremes. But you also put yourself in a really vulnerable position in regards to your mental and physical health. So if you're educated about competing and you still want to do it for you, not because you want validation from strangers on the internet or people at the gym, not because you want credibility and not because you want the glamour of show day and definitely not because you want to have six-pack abs, then sure, do it. But I think a lot of people who commit to doing a show do so with the wrong reasons and not enough self-reflection first. So sorry for the rant, but I am super passionate about this stuff. I just think that a lot of people fall into the trap of competing being like the natural next step of their fitness journey and it shouldn't be that way. So going back to the original question of how to gain credibility without competing, I think the number one thing that clients care about is not necessarily how shredded you were getting on stage. They care about how well you take care of them. And I would even say that physical results might even be secondary to that. And that's just because if you are taking great care of your clients, educating and supporting them in the pursuit of their goals, they are going to thrive and they're going to feel taken care of. They're going to love working with you. 
obviously you need to know your shit and you need to know how to get your client from point A to point B. But if you're committed to showing clients and your prospective clients how much you care about them as humans, you will be successful. And on that note, I have a few business-related questions about entrepreneurship, about school, and all that good stuff. So Ray Cheeb and Eat, Pray, Ash both asked about entrepreneurship. And the question is, what inspired you to be an entrepreneur, and how and when did you decide to pursue your own business instead of a nine-to-five? And to be totally honest, you guys, I almost just fell into entrepreneurship. I started my fitness and nutrition Instagram when I was like 16 years old. Instagram was mostly just being used as this like photo app that we can put cool filters on. It was nothing like it is today, but I started my Instagram way back when. I'm coming up on my seven-year Instaversary, and back then it was just a fun way for me to stay accountable and connect with other people. I felt kind of isolated in my own fitness journey, so it was kind of a saving grace in that respect, and I also thought photography was fun. So it was just a really cool little thing that I could do in my spare time. But eventually I realized that I could actually make money through social media when one summer during high school, I decided that in addition to my nannying job, which I thought was so boring, I was also gonna assemble an ebook of all of my favorite clean eating recipes. I've always loved cooking. I've always loved nutrition. So I was gonna make an ebook and sell it on the internet. I didn't really know how any of that worked, but I was confident that I could figure it out. And the worst, what was the worst that could happen, you know? So it turns out making a recipe ebook is actually super time consuming, but I still had a lot of fun. And I even made a couple thousand dollars off of it, which is a lot for a high school student. And that was just from posting about it on Instagram. And that absolutely blew my mind that I could just make money from making something of value for people on the internet. And from then on, I started taking my social media more seriously because I thought, hey, maybe this could turn into something if I follow it and see where it goes. So I kept documenting my life, sharing tips and encouragement with people, and it's grown really slowly, really organically, but steadily over time. And I've been able to build up an income from that. But Back then, I built up a small, steady little trickle of income, I guess, from selling digital products like workout programs and ebooks. I did a little bit of online fitness coaching from time to time, and I also started partnering with some brands as an influencer. But all this time, I was going to school full time and also playing volleyball year round. I was a collegiate athlete, and before I went to college, I was playing in club volleyball and high school volleyball. So I didn't have a lot of free time, I wasn't making a lot of income from social media, but I saw the potential there. So I always made time for it because I saw the potential and also because I love connecting with and helping people. It's so fun to me. It's so rewarding. And eventually I was nearing college graduation and I actually already had a job offer on the table. I had a full-time corporate marketing job offer. And when I first started business school, that was what I thought I wanted, you know, like that was That was the jackpot was like having a job offer before you even graduate. My parents were ecstatic and I realized that working a nine to five and climbing the corporate ladder wasn't what I wanted anymore and that I kind of wanted to like pursue this whole social media thing as I thought of it. And my parents thought it was crazy, of course. 
But I sat down and I made a spreadsheet of all of my revenue streams, all of my expenses, and where I could grow my business. I did some brainstorming and I saw that I could actually scale what I was already doing and make a good living without working for someone else. So I took the leap and I haven't looked back. I didn't really know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing to a certain extent, but I just trusted that I'd be able to figure it out and I didn't really have anything to lose. And on that note, Mercedes Roberts had a similar question, but she also wanted to know, how do I get the confidence to do scary things? And I don't necessarily think that we should take blind leaps of faith. I think taking the leap of faith is kind of this romanticized concept where you have no idea what's going on on the other side, or if you have good odds of even making it. But I mean, there will always be some degree of uncertainty whenever you're making a life-altering decision. I do think, though, that it is important to have a, a small degree of confidence. So part of my confidence came from having that number, that spreadsheet that I made, and the data to back it up. That also really helped with my parents' peace of mind because they were high-key freaking out about me turning down this job. So there was a little bit of data to back it up. But then there was also this part of me that was just like, I have nothing to lose. I have no mortgage, no kids, no real responsibilities, except for like keeping myself alive. So there's never really going to be a better time than the present. That was my mindset. And If you're listening to this and if you do have responsibilities and you're further along in life than I am in terms of being settled with a family and stuff, there's still no better time than the present and there's never going to be a perfect time. It's always really important to remember that. But two other things that really gave me the courage to pursue entrepreneurship and still give me the courage to do other things that scare me today are that one, I believe in my ability to figure shit out along the way. I know that there are always going to be unknowns and obstacles, especially when I was doing something like starting my own company. But I like to think that I'm a really resourceful and also a really stubborn person. So I always figure it out and I always make things work. And then number two, I believe in the bigger picture of what I want to achieve. And I think the importance of that cannot be understated. And the bigger picture of what I want to achieve is empowering and educating women to become their best selves. That is at the very core of every single thing that I do. And thinking back a few years ago, I don't think I was as clear on that mission as I am now, but I just had this gut feeling that pursuing the path that I'm on was my path and working in the corporate world wasn't my path. So it's kind of half intuition and trusting your gut, trusting yourself, and then half also trusting the circumstances and making an educated leap. So all in all, doing things that scare me honestly never gets easier necessarily, but we get better at facing fear and over time we can tackle bigger and scarier things. That is a really great question and I love it. I feel like that could be a whole episode on its own as well as this next question. We're going into some personal stuff. Riley Isabel wants to know, what gives you self-confidence? And I I love this question, but it's also really hard for me to put my answer into words. So I have really focused on cultivating my own confidence the past few years. And the best way I can describe it is that I have done so much inner work on myself that simply being myself is enough to be confident because I know that I'm here for a reason and I know that I have gifts and talents that no one else has. And so do you. We all do. 
And it is really hard to be confident in our society when everyone places so much value on appearance and status, but really those are all very surface level sources of confidence. And the more you understand that and the more you believe that, the more you feel empowered to step in to your own confidence and your own values. And one of the confidence gurus that I have listened to his speeches and stuff, his name is Yaya Baker. And he likes to say that there are three rings of confidence. The first ring is getting confidence from having things. So all of your confidence comes from what you have and it's totally external. You draw zero confidence from who you are as a person. So that's not true confidence, obviously, in that outer ring. It's kind of a facade of confidence that could be ripped away from you at any second, depending on what possessions you have at that time. And the middle ring, as we work on our self-confidence and become more self-aware, we have a tendency to move toward the middle, and that is drawing confidence from our accomplishments. And it is really, really easy for me to get stuck here, I think, because I'm a very ambitious, results-driven person. I struggle with attaching my self-worth to what I can accomplish in any given day, week, month, year. Like if I don't have a very productive day, I get really, really down on myself sometimes because I'm like, oh, I didn't even do anything today. I suck. All this negative self-talk and I just feel really blah. But that's shallow too because what you accomplish doesn't necessarily reflect who you are as a person either. So what's in that center ring? The center ring is true confidence. And that is where you draw confidence from the simple fact that you exist. You draw confidence from that deep rooted knowledge that you are here for a reason and the world needs you. You are meant to touch people's lives. You are meant to make a difference. And your value is so much bigger than what you look like, what possessions you have, how much money you make, or how productive you are. You at your very core are enough. And when you believe that with your full heart, you will be confident and no one can take that from you. And that's where I really try to draw my confidence from. It takes daily effort and intention. It doesn't come easy. It doesn't come naturally. But the more you practice working your way into the center of that confidence circle, the easier it becomes. On a more light, random note, a few people asked me how I like living in Austin. So G. Simmons 13, Faith and Fit, and T. Cash Symbol wanted to know how we're liking Austin. I think some other people also commented after I'd already drawn up the question document. So shout out to everyone who wants to know about Austin, Texas. But yeah, it lives up to the hype. I know that it seems like everyone and their goldfish is moving to Austin, but it's for a good reason. And for those of y'all who don't know, Andrew and I are both Minnesotans, and we moved to Austin, Texas in January this year. But I'll have you know that I've been using the term y'all since college when I had some Southern girls as teammates, and it just rubbed off on me, and I didn't know it then, but I was preparing to be a Texan years ago. Anyway, we moved here after just a year of living in Los Angeles. We lived there in 2017 because we just really weren't big fans of LA and we also wanted to be close to family again. My parents had recently relocated to Austin last year 
and we came here to visit them. We fell in love and moved across the country once again. So we did move across country two times in two years, but we're so happy that we ended up here. We've been here for a few months and we can confidently say that we love it here and could honestly see ourselves staying here for a while. We kind of want to buy a house, especially with a yard for Rosie to play in. So yeah, we, we kind of want to set down roots here and see where that takes us. But we instantly knew that Austin is a better fit for us. The people, the vibe, the access to nature are all way different from Los Angeles. And people in Austin and Texas in general are so warm and welcoming, you guys. And that has made the transition a lot easier on us. Now, Minnesotans are considered nice too, but it's different. Like Minnesota nice is kind of surface level nice and like very standoffish nice, I guess. The best way I've ever heard it described is that when meeting a Minnesotan, they would say, so-and-so restaurant is my favorite. You should totally go there. So they would tell you their favorite restaurant and recommend it. But a Texan would say, so-and-so restaurant is my favorite. I'm going there tonight and you should come. So Texans are way more like welcoming and inclusive and they will totally invite you in. Whereas Minnesotans, they're nice, but it takes a little while for Minnesotans kind of like warm up to you. So we've totally found that to be true. Like we had a group of friends within seriously a month of living here and that never happened in LA because people here are just so super inclusive and there's always stuff to do. And don't get me wrong, in LA, there are a lot of things to do, but it was either like there were two hours of traffic between you and the event or it was like a networking event, not a friendly hangout. People didn't really care to get to know you as a friend because in Los Angeles, everyone moves out there for a very specific reason. And if you don't have a specific reason, if you don't have a specific goal, the city will kind of just like chew you up and spit you out because it is pretty cutthroat. The pace of life is really fast and there's a lot of pressure to constantly be like climbing a ladder and networking. Whereas in Austin, people are very ambitious and driven, but there's also a better like work-life balance and people still really value their relationships. So overall, the pace of life and the vibe out here is just a way better fit for us. Plus, we're really grateful to be close to my parents again, not to mention how much money we are saving on rent, but that is a whole other topic. Next question is from Fitness Haven't K, and they asked, what was the biggest hardship in your life and how did you overcome it? So this is a hard one because I feel like I've worked through a lot of different challenges in my life. I've gone through a lot of different phases, but one really sticks out in particular, and that is dealing with my first autoimmune disease growing up. That whole experience really shaped me as a person, and I know for sure that I wouldn't be who I am today without it. So for that, I'm grateful, but it was definitely a huge hardship and not just for me, but also for my family. So for those listening who aren't super familiar with my story, I was diagnosed with a super rare autoimmune disease called linear scleroderma and Saab when I was in elementary school. And basically what happens with my disease is that the body misidentifies its own tissues as foreign invaders and attacks them. So my body was literally attacking my skin, fat, connective tissue, and skull from the top of my head going down in a line towards my jaw. So the last part of the name, linear scleroderma and Kuptasab, refers to the line that the disease kind of travels in because it looks like you got 
cut down by a saber is the logic with that. So I think that at the time I was diagnosed, there were less than like a thousand known cases in the world. So it took a lot of different doctors and tests to figure out what I had. I had CT scans, I had x-rays, I had labs, I had like laser surgery when I was misdiagnosed. There were all these different procedures that I was going through, but no one knew what it was. And that was so hard for my parents because they didn't have any answers as to what was going on with their baby. And I hardly remember this phase. I remember maybe getting a CT scan and I remember getting laser surgery but I don't remember a lot of the other details. But eventually we saw a doctor at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota and she knew what I had within 30 seconds of me walking into the room. So from then on, I had a whole team at the Mayo Clinic. I saw them multiple times a year and that was a really big relief for my family, but it was also just a start of more hardships because once I was diagnosed, I was put on a low-dose chemo medication, an immunosuppressant called methotrexate, and I took that for like three or four years. Every single week, I would take it, and over the course of that time, the disease still progressed before it burned out, and it caused all of this facial discoloration and disfigurement because it was eating away at the tissue, right? And I also remember just getting sick all the time because of the weakened immune system, So because of that, the way my face looked, I had facial disfigurement. I got bullied a lot growing up. I was called so many mean names. People stared at me everywhere I went. It was hard to make friends. It was like used against me. And the comments from strangers were almost the worst part because they would range from like, oh, you have dirt on your face to what's wrong with your face. Like I would be a child checking out at the grocery store and the cashier would ask what's wrong with your face. And as an adolescent, that stuff really sticks with you and just like eats away at your self-esteem. And it was also really heartbreaking for my parents to watch me go through that. So my family and I struggled a lot with that stuff growing up. And eventually once I reached high school, I got really good at using makeup to cover up the discoloration. And I also had three different reconstructive surgeries to kind of even out the different areas of my face that had been affected. So basically, I spent a lot of time with doctors from the age of four to like 17. And I also got bullied a ton. That was really, really rough on my self-esteem. Now my disease is considered to be burned out, but it could always flare up again, which of course is really scary. But I've always tried to live my life as if I was normal, quote unquote, because I've never wanted to let it hold me back. And yeah, I'm I'm really proud of myself for having a job where I'm on camera on a daily basis because as a kid, I never even wanted to be in photos because of my disease. So that is a huge win for me and a story that's kind of hard to tell. Um, I do get, you know, kind of emotional just thinking about all of the bullying and hardships that myself and my family went through, but that's a big reason why I am who I am today. So I definitely try to be grateful for those lessons as well. On the note of personal development and kind of what has made me the person I am today, Amber Hart 30 wants to know, what are some books or other podcasts that I recommend for self-development? 
And my favorite thing is listening to books and podcasts when I'm in the car, whenever I drive to the barn for my horseback riding lessons. So no matter what, I get a couple hours a week of personal development time and it's awesome. I absolutely love it. And with that being said, my top five books for self-development and business are The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. You Are Badass and You Are Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Those have both totally changed my mindset as well as The Four Agreements. Holy crap. I think that was The Four Agreements was the first like self-development book I ever read. And I still remember where I was when I read it. And from then on, it changed my life. I'll just say that. So if you haven't read The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, definitely, definitely pick that one up. As far as business goes, I love Crushing It by Gary V and The Success Principles by Jack Canfield and so many more. My bookshelf is totally overflowing, but I try to narrow it down to my top five. If you guys have any recommendations for books or podcasts, definitely let me know because I'm always looking for new ones. My favorite podcasts right now are my business coach, Jenna Kutcher's, which is the Gold Digger podcast. That is Gold Digger, not Gold Digger. Earn Your Happy with Lori Harder. Bucci Radio by my dear friend Amanda Bucci. She always interviews really cool people. And I also love the Skinny Confidential Him and Her podcast with Lauren Everts and Michael Bosick. They just have so many different topics like every single episode. So that one's fun too. Still riding the personal development theme, Tika underscore Jade wants to know, what is one thing you're working on right now to be a better you? And I love this question because there's always something to work on, always room for improvement, right? So my number one thing I'm working on is establishing better boundaries in my business and having a better work-life balance. Now, I absolutely love what I do. I love connecting with amazing women all around the world, and it's just the biggest blessing ever. So I could work from sunup to sundown, but that obviously isn't a great work-life balance because then every other area of my life suffers. And I honestly don't think that as an entrepreneur, you can have amazing work-life balance during every single season. I think that there are some seasons where you kind of have to give up the semblance of balance when you're pushing really hard, but you should always kind of be trying to trend back towards center in order to stay sane and avoid burnout. So I've really been working on being okay with not accomplishing 5 million things a day and taking time for fun and play. Like I actually try to take at least one day off per week, which is honestly hard. I typically end up like checking my emails or working for an hour or two, but I really do try to almost take a full day off. And on that note, I actually just hired two people, two independent contractors to help me with some tasks within my business, admin tasks and finances and stuff. But up until literally this past week, I have done every single thing in my business myself. I've kind of just learned as I've gone. And from the outside, I'm sure you guys just see me creating content and engaging with you all online. But there's actually so much more that goes on behind the scenes when it comes to keeping my business organized, profitable, and like legally legitimate. And that is the stuff that totally drains and overwhelms me. So I'm really excited about being able to hand some of that stuff off. But I definitely still have lots of room for improvement in regards to finding like a healthier level of involvement in my business. I think at my core, I am like somewhat of a workaholic. I'm just going to say it. 
but I do want to strive toward being able to take time off, being able to go on a trip and know that my business is still running, even if I can't be doing every little single thing. And yeah, just have that like peace of mind and security. This last and final question is from Cody Humphrey. What is your spirit animal? And I saved this fun one for last And I definitely have to say cheetah because I learned today that cheetahs are so socially awkward that they have trouble finding mates and creating offspring. (laughs) So even though I'm in a long-term relationship, honestly, I feel like meeting Andrew was like a fluke and I would struggle so hard if I had to date now. Like I'm just, I'm really socially awkward. And what a lot of people don't know about me because they see me through social media is that I'm actually an introvert. I love connecting with people online, but I also love that I get to connect with people on my own terms. And I also need a lot of alone time and space in order to recharge. And I'm always a little reserved in new social situations. So like going to the bar in college and like being in a group setting was always kind of hard. And I've always been kind of an awkward human. So that's a fun fact that y'all might have known. I definitely identify with cheetahs on that level. But thankfully, Andrew and I are both like an equal amount of awkward and our weirds are compatible. So that's why we work well together. But if either of us had to like go into the world and find another mate and like a date, that would be that would be rough. So definitely spirit animal is a cheetah. And that was the final question. I had tons of fun answering these and I hope you found this solo episode entertaining and insightful. Definitely let me know on Instagram or in the reviews if you want to see more solo shows. Every day, I am just so incredibly grateful to have the opportunity to connect with amazing women all over the world and create content for you guys. It's literally the coolest job ever, and I couldn't do it without your support. So thank you so much for listening, and I will talk to you again very soon. Before you go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for spending your time with me on the Grind and Be Grateful podcast today. I'm super happy that we were able to hang out and share some good vibes today. It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take one second to share this episode with someone who you think would love it, whether it's texting it to your friend, linking it on Twitter, or posting a screenshot on your Instagram story. It is all super appreciated. And please leave the show review on iTunes if you're enjoying it. Tell me what you think. Let me know what you want to hear more of this show is for you so your feedback matters plus it would really help me out on my mission to educate and empower women everywhere to become their very best selves thank you again for listening and supporting the show and until next time don't forget to grind to be grateful my friends